You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. Let's have a look at the oil price now because the oil price this year, the Brent crude oil price, which is the one that I watch a little bit more than West Texas Intermediate, the Brent crude oil price earlier this year when there was a skirmish between the United States and Iran briefly touched $70 a barrel. This week, it has been down to $14, $15 a barrel. And if I look at my screen currently, it is, gosh, it's uh, rapidly rising to 25.06 for Brent crude, which is up 11.2% on the day. This doesn't tell the whole story because there's a story within a story and many stories within those stories as well. With me now is Chantal Marks from FNB Wealth and Investment, Head of Equity Research at that institution. Chantal, what an extraordinary time we've had. Yes, it's been quite strange. I mean, if you look at last week, I think we had the strangest week for oil prices uh, probably that we've ever seen. And the WTI oil price or the West Texas Intermediate oil price actually went negative. Hmm. Um, And that was the very first time in history that that's happened. In other words, I I remember, I think it was about 11 days ago, it was a Monday night, two Mondays ago, and a chap phoned me from London and said, Lindsay, I will pay you $40 to take the oil off your hands. I mean, obviously, that was an anomaly because of the lack of storage facilities, but it was still a moment in time and a moment in history. Yes, absolutely. I mean, the traders that or contract holders became so desperate to get rid of their oil contracts that they were willing to pay other people to take them off their hands because they simply had nowhere to put it. Um, and the problem with uh, West Texas Intermediate oil price contract is that you have to take physical delivery. And that really complicates matters. I, I know um, Simon Brown tweeted shortly after that that he accidentally had to take um, delivery of, I think it was maize at some point in his career. Mm. And I mean, how do you even how do you even begin to solve for that problem? So um, ultimately, yes, an anomaly, but I think that those guys were really desperate. And I think that quite honestly, and these people are professionals, if, in, if they're in the futures market, they know what the liabilities are, they know what your, uh, the restrictions are, and they know what your responsibilities are. So if you have a crude oil futures contract that is uh, coming up for expiry, you know you're either going to have to deliver or be delivered to. So I've got no sympathy for them. In the last 24 hours, they suddenly panic and they're paying someone $40 and 32 cents a barrel to get rid of the stuff. But anyway, let's get on to the more fundamentally driven considerations here. You say in your piece that you kindly sent me, it says quite simplistically, but that is exactly what the markets are, very simple. Oil prices are driven by three factors, namely supply, demand, and market sentiment. At the moment with oil, I think we've got the perfect storm here. A lot of supply, no demand, and market sentiment, at least up until a few days ago, was horrible, Chantal. Yes, absolutely. I mean, if you look at the demand side of the equation, no one's driving around, no one is flying. Um, and 70% of, uh, well, I think it's around about 70% of oil demand comes from transportation. With no one moving around, there just isn't demand for the oil. On the supply side, you've had supply cuts come through from OPEC, Russia, and the US with that recent um, agreement that was tweeted by Donald Trump. But ultimately, 10, 000, 10 million barrels a day, taking that out of the market is not nearly enough to compensate for the absolute demand cliff um, that we faced over the last few months. So unless those guys can get together and actually make a meaningful change in terms of production, you are going to, you are going to continue seeing pressure on oil prices and probably continued volatility every single time that those futures contracts roll over. 
Yes, I think there was also another factor here, and there was an organization, I think it's an ETF, exchange-traded fund called USO, United States Oil, which got itself into a little bit of a pickle. And that was one of the reasons that it uh, did what it did, that we've just been describing 10 days ago, going negative, because they were just dumping and dumping and, and dumping. And they were rolling forward. So they were selling their near-month futures contracts and rolling them forward to uh, future months, whether it, I think 20% in July, 20% in August, even up to July 2021. So that was also a factor which weighed on the market. And these oil traders are quite canny. They know when someone's coming with a sell or a buy order, don't they? they are, it, it's not so much a closed shop, but they're very canny, these people. Yes, but I think that even for, for them, the, the actual steepness of the contango, which basically is that uh, futures contract or contracts for future delivery of oil are, are, um, are priced higher and higher and higher the further in future you go, um, it, did, it did catch a, a few guys off guard. And it just res results in losses coming through when those contracts are being rolled over. And because these guys, uh, oil ETFs and oil ETNs, don't necessarily trade on the actual um, the, the actual commodity, so they don't actually take delivery of the oil or anything like that, they're very dependent on these contract prices or these futures contract prices. So when you have to when you have to settle prices at lower levels or sell prices at lower levels and buy future or, or buy new contracts at higher levels you make a little bit of a loss with every single contract that you that you buy um, and that weighs heavily on on the return profile of of that specific ETF or ETN and in the case of this specific um, US ETF uh, they they ran into a lot of trouble because they had to get rid of these contracts uh, mm. they had no choice again I've got no sympathy for them if you have to wait until the last couple of days uh, in order to get out it's like somebody who is has got an exam and has had uh, three months to uh, study for the exam in the last couple of nights before the exam that person crams for it I mean again USO I'm sorry bad luck if you lost money bad luck for you but even worse luck for your clients let's have a look at the price now i've got um, a site on my screen right now called oilprice.com which is pretty live it's 11 minutes delayed uh 13 nearly higher for wti west texas intermediate um, which is at 16 dollars 99 brent crude at 25 dollars 23 so 10 dollars higher than it was earlier this week what's driving this apart from the fact that it was oversold chantal do you think that maybe airlines are saying to themselves you know what, down at uh, $10, $15 a barrel for Brent, uh, for WTI, I need to get in there and start hedging my future fuel requirements because the economy is going to open up? Or is it just a recalibration of an oversold market? Sure, it's very difficult to say, but if I, if, I, if I have to make an educated guess, I don't necessarily think that the cash flow or the balance sheet is there right now for, for airlines to be making um, these sorts of bets. Uh, perhaps they are. Um, I mean, I, I certainly don't have that level of insight, but I think that there was uh, the, the oil price was fundamentally um, oversold. And I think that there is hope that uh, the situation will eventually normalize and oil prices at these levels offer an investment opportunity. So uh, perhaps ETF and ETN holdings picking up a little bit um, and then some of the, the um, more or less risk averse investors perhaps starting to get involved there. Um, I think that there's 
probably quite a bit of speculation around continued discussions between OPEC, Russia and the United States because you have um, U.S. oil rig counts already coming down. Most of the shale companies aren't making money at the moment. Uh, you have fiscal budgets uh, that need to be balanced at some point in time. And at, at these oil prices, it, it's not happening for any of the oil producers. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of incentive for oil prices to go higher eventually. Um, it's just a matter of waiting it out and, and getting through this period of volatility. But from time to time, you will get two or three very good days uh, for the oil price. Yes, one of those days is today. One of those days was yesterday and the day before as well. We've had some really, really good days. The way I look at it is uh, with... Um, glass half full and glass half empty. That sort of approach, Chantal, because on the one hand, you think, well, oil prices have collapsed. That's very good for South Africa because it means inflation comes down, which means that the South African Reserve Bank can lower interest rates and make money cheaper for us and boost the economy. Uh, on the other hand, if the oil prices are coming down, that means that the world is a bit, little bit stuffed up. Uh, so therefore, that's not good for South Africa. I just can't work it out at the moment. What is your view? Yeah, it's an exceptionally delicate balance, but ultimately, I think we are a lot more dependent on uh, on good, robust economic activity globally um, than we are just on oil on on the oil price. Um, it there will be a little bit of relief, but it won't be enough, um, nearly enough, in my humble opinion, to offset the the impact on external demand and also on internal demand, because there are some some real structural issues that are going to um, become a lot more apparent um, as we as we try to muddle through this COVID-19 period and as the economy starts opening up again. Let's have a look at um, a share that is um, a particularly close to all of us as, as South Africans. And you were head of equity research at FNB Wealth and Investment. So you must have been looking at Sassel and thinking, goodness me, I'm looking at my screen now. And even if I refresh it and it's 15 minutes delayed, this price has more than quadrupled in Four weeks. It was 94 rand a share earlier today. It's now down a little bit to around about 85 rand a share, but it was 21, 22 rand a share not so long ago. How on earth, as head of equity research, do you analyze a company that is so volatile? Yeah, I mean, you ultimately have to think about what your expectations are in terms of future cash flows coming through from, from Sassel. So you need to think clearly and level-headedly about what your expectations are for the oil price and how long the oil price will be this low and whether or not the company's balance sheet will be able to sustain oil prices being this low for quite a while. Uh, we've had pretty good communication from the from the company on that front. I mean, obviously, the big problem with Sassel is that they're quite heavily geared. Uh, they were basically at peak gearing um, after just having finished, finally, uh, more or less finished uh, the, the Lake Charles project. Um, and we were expecting at oil prices, let's say, towards the beginning of the year that were a little bit higher, not not the peak kind of oil price level uh, with the whole World War Three rumor story, um, that they were going to be cash flow positive from Lake Charles's perspective. Um, Sinfields and Natref was going to kind of tick over and contribute to cash flow, um, and that eventually they would have been able to pay down debt. Um, that situation became quite scary when the oil price uh, fell quite sharply and quite suddenly. And the, the company even came out with a statement saying, okay, 
So guys, we, we have a bit of a problem here, um, but we are going to work on, um, on kind of streamlining working capital, which we know has now also been a little bit of a uh, problem for them. Uh, we're going to make some asset sales. They also recently said that they were looking for a partner at Louisiana, so perhaps uh, di- or selling away some of the risk there. And then you have to just tell yourself or, or, or think to yourself, uh, what, what's your expectation for oil prices? What's your expectation for the RAND? And ultimately, the oil price isn't sustainable at $25 a barrel. So if you think that Sassel can navigate the next three or four months, um, then there definitely is value in the share. I mean, at some point, it was trading, as you mentioned, in the, in the 20 rands, where it had delivered earnings per share of over 30 rand um, a year ago. Mm. Yeah, it's almost as though it's, it's, it's had its big crash and now it's, it's going to find its new level. Like a lot of South mm. African companies have, they were over, overvalued, they were undervalued, and now they've got to find their equilibrium level, if you like. This is the easiest question of the day, Chantal. Where's the oil price going, please? So um, I think ultimately, if you look at it longer term, the oil price will go up because it's not sustainable at these levels. Who knows what will happen over the next few days or weeks because there's a lot of bad data that's probably going to come out. And every single time bad data comes out, there might be a little bit of a, uh, of a oh, oh, wow, uh, I can't believe global growth is so bad. We better sell oil uh, type of scenario playing out. Okay. I sort of understand what you said, but thanks very much for your analysis, Chantal. Chantal Marks is the Head of Equity Research at FMB Wealth and Investments. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organisation, employer or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.